Welcome to a workplace. I haven't punched anyone at work. What happens when someone says you were giving him googly eyes? I only wear tight see-through t-shirts. How much do you compromise to get what you want? Moms who work are just parenting two times. This is like modern work. Well, you could give the job to him, but I'll do it for less. That's sexual harassment. Sorry I'm not wearing makeup. This is just how I look. Working. <laughs> and having a vagina. <laughs> Recording. <laughs> I guess this would be probably a worse episode if we both were at our climax of uh, productivity and mental state. It would be a worse episode? Well, the advice you get from, from like Instagram influencers... Oh. <laughs> When they're at their high energy point in the day. Yes. Or when they're just... Or know. at their peak performance in their career. That's a really good point. You don't want to take advice from people who are, like, just killing it. That's not sound advice. <laughs> just be great. Just be like me. Oh, okay. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Good point. We're not feeling great today <laughs> is the... Is the what we're getting at. You're touching your face a lot, and it's making me feel oh, like I have something on my face. Sorry. Do I have stuff on my face? No. Okay. Because I haven't looked in the mirror once today, so I could be riddled with eye, eye junk and stuff in my teeth. I wouldn't even know. I'd need you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, this is, it's morning time. It is. Usually we're recording at night. A stark departure from our typical daily rhythm and here we are just getting it done so habits happen when you're at a lower point it's easy to stay with the momentum when you're in the momentum but I think the crux of forming and maintaining habits is all about what you're doing when you're not when you lose momentum <laughs> You're getting way ahead of us. Who are you? Introduce yourself. No. Yeah, go first. <laughs> I've already committed to... Okay, fine. I'm Diana Pfeiffer. <laughs> I'm Paige Slaughter. <laughs> and what are we talking about today, Paige? We're talking about habits. <laughs> what about habits? It's, so, it's such a big topic. Yeah, so this is a user... No, listener submitted habit. Oh, exciting. Um, who does this? Who is this coming from? My stepmom. Oh, hey. She said she submitted this one a while back, and we just pulled it out of the jar. Cool. Um, making, breaking, and keeping habits. Oh, that's a small ask. What a small topic. Perfect. Specific. Okay. Well, this is definitely going to be a two-parter then. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're looking at me like we didn't already discuss it. I'm looking at you like, this is not off to a great start. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. But we just have to keep rolling. We got to just keep the air alive, right? Because, man. But to your opening comment, you don't want to take advice from two people who are just like, or from anyone who's just doing great at the in the best mood, in the best place of their life, you know, like, that's not realistic. And that's why I think it's so hard 
when you talk about habits of keeping them and breaking bad ones and forming good ones. It's just a whole momentum puzzle, and it's very, very hard to spark that momentum and been, keep it. Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. <clears throat> I think mostly, I mean, really, Instagram business coaches are like the first <laughs> thing that comes to mind. I'm so tired of people dancing in reels and putting <laughs> captions for like quick pointers on oh yeah how to do this how to do that it's so easy do 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 <laughs> and then and then the reel's over you're like oh if, is that what i've been doing wrong all this time well it's <sighs> it's um yeah i don't know why exactly it's uh feeling so uninteresting to me well you're a marketer you have a critical eye for this stuff that's true i think you have a deeper sense of sincere forms of communication via marketing mm. than yeah. others. Well, it's when you see something over and over and over, I feel like we've entered this bubble of how to succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone's going about it the same way. Right. And that can't be right. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd all be very successful. <laughs> yeah. Like what's happening when you're not in a, you know, when it's like, in the afternoon and you're tired or if you just like stayed mm-hmm. up all night mm-hmm. no, no one's making reels around that time <laughs> but we are here for you at our <laughs> lowest <laughs> so you're welcome I feel better already <laughs> um all right well so because the topic is so big and there was no there was no mention, correct me if I'm wrong, of specific habits, right? No, making, breaking, and keeping habits. Just habits in general, mm-hmm. okay. Because typically the ones people, the top ones that people want to break are like eating bad food, smoking, and this is my hypothesis, but laziness is probably one that people don't realize that they're in, that they should break. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like... You've heard of the seven deadly sins, right? Yeah. Or or the movie Seven, if you prefer a non <laughs> a non biblical <laughs> reference. But like, actually, I don't even know where the seven deadly sins exactly come from. But sloth is one of them, and mm-hmm. seven those seven sins kind of help me just take a quick check of my day. If dehydration was a seven seven sin, one of the seven sins, that would be I'd be right on point. But like sloth, you know, vanity, gluttony. Those are those are things that I think is envy one of them. Envy's one of them. Yeah, I think you could take those seven sins and make them like seven deadly habits. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> here we are, just writing new material. <laughs> because they're they're all things that hurt you and hurt the people around you as a result of that of that habit. And gluttony is certainly takes many forms, not just food, mm-hmm. but like consumerism. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, yeah, wanting more and more and more. Um, But sloth is one, I think, that creeps in on us a lot, and we don't realize it. Because when you feel tired, you feel justified in sitting around. Yeah. Because you're so tired. But when you're tired over and over and over again, then you have to be like, is this me now or like why why is this happening do I have a vitamin b deficiency (laughs) do I need to exercise more though that always feels counterintuitive right Mm -hmm. like 
you're so tired because you're not doing enough. Like, that's what I hear when people suggest exercise. Yeah. Anyways, so I want to talk about those habits in, gener- in, in general, I guess, and, like, why, why they occur. I guess, I guess we're going to talk about why any habit occurs, yeah. why it forms, and, like, why those ones are so hard to break because they feel so good. Right. Right. That's the, I think that's a big piece of it is recognizing where it's coming from and what's actually going on versus like the easy version of, of a habit is just like, oh, I should do this more. I should do this less. Right. Why do you think habits form? Well, I, well, that, okay, so, for, well, first, I wanted to define habits. Oh, hey. <laughs> Look at the, you. Yeah, I'm pulling a Diana. But, <laughs> because flattered. We, talk, we talk about them, but maybe don't really know what they mean, because it's that jumping to the conclusion or the, you know, the objective or, like, jumping to the surface level, oh, I should do this or shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe without taking the time to be like, what is it? Mm-hmm. So three versions of this I thought of are small things that all together make big things in your life. That's a definition of a habit? Yeah. Nice. So I the, like that. The small things you do that add up to make your life. Mm-hmm. Um, a routine, any kind of thing you do regularly. Okay. Stop it. Um. And a note that it's first something active and intentional, mm-hmm. and at some point becomes more like a subconscious activity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think it's interesting to think about them, about habits as, on one hand, something you might have to try really hard at, and it could be something that you're not thinking about whatsoever. Uh-huh. Okay. I like those. Um, the common theme for me in all of those and what I can like what what physiologically a habit is, is it's an action. It's a behavior that has some sort of reward tied to it. Mm-hmm. So that can so that kind of falls in both buckets of it can be automatic like I automatically step outside to have a cigarette or I automatically brush my teeth in the morning because I want good dental hygiene like both of those have different rewards mm-hmm. or I have to force myself to go out and exercise because I know it's going to make me healthier and happier or I have to force myself to <laughs> not smoke because yeah. I know it's going to make me healthier and happier even though you know, on, on the one hand, when it's automatic, it has a reward. But when you're forcing yourself not to do it, it has a reward as right. well. Um, and I think as we dig into that a little further, there are, there are not all rewards are created equal in our brain. Mm. So I think, I think if you were to look at the research, the short-term gratification, the short-term reward of like having the nicotine or having the sugar – is great, but if you look at the long-term rewards, those are bigger, more substantial, longer-lasting, and overall just better rewards mm-hmm. to have. Yeah. But they're you have to work for them. Yeah. <laughs> and therein lies the problem. <laughs> yeah, so where do they come from is, I think, either they're coming from an internal place 
like you're saying, the long, maybe longer term rewards or deeper rewards Mm -hmm. would be coming from somewhere inside that you know how you want to be or how you want to spend your time. Mm -hmm. Or they're external and they're coming from, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Um, Or everyone does something this way, so it's not even something I think about. Right. Right. And there's a big distinction there, too, in terms of where they're coming from. So you have your definitions. What's your What's your second bullet point there? <laughs> well, second ones, they're where they're coming from. Oh, okay. And so to me, those are like from a place of like guilt or pressure mm. versus like coming from tapping into what you really want deep down. Right. I've heard people say that, like, motivation isn't enough. Motivation doesn't work because it only because it fizzles out so quickly. Mm-hmm. But, like, I can't really think of another way to frame wanting to do something other than being motivated to do it. Yeah. And um, this is a hard topic because <laughs> we all have – we're not all in, like, a perfect state of good habits, right, ever. Like, it's, yeah. you've got to fall in and out of things. Mm-hmm. And right now I don't feel like I'm in a good, I'm in, I'm in a good habit space, you know, like I'm, I'm starting to get more momentum with exercise, something I've been working on a lot lately. Um, but the motivation that I've had to do that is because I'm about to see my family next week. Like I'm going to go visit my family, my sisters. And so even though my sisters wouldn't be like, Diana, why are you fat? Or why are you out of shape? There's the motivation to show up and like, look, I'm taking care of myself. I'm in a good place right now. Don't worry about me. Because I, because I am like, my life is good. I'm happy. You know, like things are going well. What's my excuse? Like, what am I going to wait to start a good exercise habit when I feel like garbage and when things are going terribly? Like that doesn't seem like a good time to start Uh a habit. Um, there also one, one thing I wanted to talk about was Charles Duhigg. He wrote The Power of Habit. Have you ever heard of that book? No. Um, I went through a really, like, cheesy reading list phase uh, when I was in the military. (laughs) Specifically when I was deployed. So when I... I don't know if, like, you think about what people mean when they say, like, they were deployed to Afghanistan or they were deployed to Iraq. Like, I don't know what people picture because I didn't even know what to picture before I was deployed. But, like, you're just working day in, day out for seven days a week. Like, you're just constantly working for, like, four, six, eight months, 12 months, sometimes on end. And so it's basically nothing but work. If you just distilled your life down to, like, your morning commute, your meals, your commute, and bedtime, like, that's it. Like, that's your life on deployment. (laughs) And you, like, try to find ways to socialize and have fun, but, like, it's really hard sometimes, depending on where you're deployed. Some deployments are, like, really cushy, but but mine was not. I was living in a shipping container with six other women. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, there were bunk beds. There were um, six bunk beds. Were there windows? No, no windows. Um, Not very good air vents either. Uh, It's really hard to keep, like, the really fine dust out of your room yeah. because the sand is so fine there. Um, 
But like you, you, you'd be surprised at what you can adapt to. Like you get there and you're like, well, this is prison. <laughs> and then, you know, three months later, you're like, oh, this is home. I have my little pictures next to my bed and I have little fairy like twinkle lights strung up in the bunk bed to like make it feel nice, you know, like little <laughs> things that people do to just try to have some comfort. But anyway, I was going through a weird reading list phase and I was reading like Essentialism and Lead with a Story and The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And so <laughs> I'm actually I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his last name, but he has a bit of research that um, was like pretty good. Like two things that stayed with me was the ABC method. So a habit is an action or sorry, an antecedent, the behavior and the consequence So there's something that triggers you to want sugar, whether it's stress or just seeing a cookie or whatever. Mm -hmm. The behavior is consuming it, and then the consequence is, I feel good. It's your reward. Um, But there are also bad consequences, of course. Um, And then the other thing from his book that stuck with me was keystone habits. And we start talking about exercise and, like, when do you start an exercise routine? Do you do it when you feel good? Do you do it when you feel bad? But I would argue that exercise is a keystone habit in that it affects other habits in your life. Like if you can get that habit started and get some momentum there, it starts to radiate into other good habits. Yeah, that's a good that's a good insight because I think all habits affect each other. And it might not be the one thing that you want to change or focus on. Mm-hmm. for that thing itself, but yeah. maybe for all the implications it has on, like, your other behaviors. Yes, and that's why I liked your the one definition of, like, the small habit, the small things that make up your life. Because if you say, this is why a lot of people get off to a bad start. They're like, I'm going to... I'm going to start a new ha- I'm going to start a new workout routine. So I'm going to get up early, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do this workout, I'm going to do it, you know, 5 days a week. You're not then just starting a habit of working out. You're starting a habit of getting up early, like going to a new place to work out, going to a gym or doing something totally out of your routine, exercising and then like working that into your overall like daily rhythm right so that that's not just one habit that's like seven habits right so when people are like oh I'm going to start a new diet and a new exercise routine and then you start layering on just things that seem like they should be coupled together you're just like setting yourself up for failure yeah so get as small as possible if you're trying to quit smoking actually I can't speak to smoking so I'm not going to because I like cold turkey or phasing out, I don't know. But, like, with exercise, getting started, I think you should start with, like, I'm just going to do two minutes of jumping jacks a day or something. Right. Like, something very small where it's like, all right, this is the time where I could do two minutes of jumping jacks, and that's it. That's all you're asking of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And then consistency is, like, the key to getting this down. But, um... I'm getting ahead of myself. So do you know what a keystone is? To go back to like oh, the keystone habits. Like a, in the archway? Yeah. You're like one of the first people to know that when I've well, talked you, about maybe this. maybe you've told me. Perhaps I have. <laughs> but yeah, for those of you who don't know what a keystone is, um, in like old brick buildings, if you look above the doorway, there's an arch over the doorway. 
like the bricks form a little a little arch and the middle brick holds all the other bricks in place so that's the keystone because if you pluck it out all the other bricks fall down and i'm sure it shows up in other forms of architecture but that's how i learned it and that's a mm -hmm. pretty easy visual to describe um so your keystone habit or your keystone behaviors are things that impact just a few other or maybe 10 other actions around it. So for me, if I start working out, I'll sleep better. I'll remember to drink more water. I'll maybe feel like eating a little bit healthier because I don't want to like undo all my hard work. You know, like there are a few mm -hmm. habits that I'm getting outside more. Like that's a habit of just getting outside more. Um, and so for me, exercise Sleep is a key, big keystone for a lot of people, but like exercise is a big keystone habit for me. Yeah, and that's a different thing to focus on one habit and then maybe all the other ones happen as a byproduct, but you're not spreading yourself across 10 right. different things like you were right. saying. You're not trying to balance all these plates. Yeah. You're focused on one and it has this like ripple effect for you. Yeah. And it's your, it, you know, and it's up to you to sort of figure out what, you know, even as I'm saying exercise is a keystone for me, I don't actually know, now that I think about it, this morning, I didn't have a lot of energy to work out because I didn't sleep well last night. So, like, it's got to be sleep first. Yeah. Um, but just last week, I was really, really tired. Every day last week, I was exhausted. And I was getting enough sleep. So then what's the, then what's the keystone that right. those days? I think that, I think then it was a hydration issue. <laughs> and so if I drink and I like, just focus on the easiest, easiest thing. I think sometimes actually sleep's not that easy for people because mm -hmm. if you're in a sleep deficit, um, it's very difficult to dig yourself out. So maybe like drinking water would be just a good habit to start. Like, I'm just going to drink. I'm just going to drink 10 ounces more than I normally would or like yeah. 60 ounces a day or 80 ounces a day or whatever. But for your reference, a gallon is 130 ounces <laughs> or like 128 <laughs> or something like that. I can't remember, but that's a lot. So you're touching on a lot like in choosing, in choosing what habits you want to invest yourself in. For me, like I've learned – the key for me is getting really, really clear on what's underneath of the thing. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's not enough. It's not enough for me to say, "Oh, I want to do this," you know, ten minutes a day, whatever right. it is. Yeah. If I'm not super clear and connected to why do I want that? Oh. And if I if I'm more focused on what I'm actually trying to achieve, like the feeling I'm trying to achieve or, I mean, really it comes down to feeling like the lifestyle that will create mm -hmm. that feeling mm -hmm. for me. Um, then it's given me space to like let different habits show up at different times and they all feel like they're in service of what I'm actually like, what I actually care about. Yeah. So you've, to you've told me before about hunter brain versus farmer brain. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to explain? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I stumbled ac across this because I 
with trying to investigate my own brain having ADHD because I was convinced that it wasn't a bad thing. <clears throat> but also, like, how can I manage this without medication? And there's this book called The Drummer in the Mountain where they discuss hunter brain versus farmer brain. So reframing an ADHD brain would be calling it the hunter brain because you are focused on, like, when you think about the hunter in the wild, they are focused on everything in their environment at once. And so they need to be listening far, listening close, smelling seeing, scanning, and like it's a very high intensity work, right? And so mm -hmm. their farmer uh, hunter brains are typically the people who can start companies, who can get things going, who can multitask, who can manage a lot a lot at once. Um, but you know, if you try to put a farm a hunter brain into a desk, like, to do steady in, steady out, reap your rewards, that's the farmer brain. Yeah, Like, they'll the basically, routine. yes, they'll wither and die. So the farmer brain, now that you know what the hunter brain is, it's very easy to infer what the farmer brain is, but it's the, the person that who, when we developed, like, agricultural systems, where it was like, oh, I don't need to go out and kill, you know, and then maybe have three weeks of no food. Right. So... The hunter brain, modern day hunter brain, works well in sprints. Like they do well, they do well with an intense period of work and then a long period of relaxation afterward. Um, but the farmer brain is the person that can show up nine to five every day, do their thing. They're they're really good at taking over those new companies and steadying the ship and like making things go yeah. on routines. And that's why. If you are founding a company, it's really good to have a hunter and farmer brain together mm -hmm. because you, you need them both. But And it's very hard to be both. It's very – you cannot be both. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nearly impossible. Both. Right. Yeah. Um, so so farmer brain – are you hunter or farmer? What, what were you bringing that up for? Well, I think I've got to be hunter brain because mm -hmm. for me, I work in those like – spurts of high energy mm -hmm. and I'm like just banging things out lots of ideas lots of execution lots of you know like yeah lots of vibrance and then it's always followed by whew, oh okay it's always followed by I need to rest otherwise I'm gonna oh oh I'm gonna keep overdoing it and I'm gonna end up on the floor crying <laughs> And, there, right. you know, and I need to process and right. I need to, you know, sleep and whatever um, and kind of get quiet. So for so that's the way I work in my business. I think that's the way I work with creativity in general. Mm -hmm. um, and with habits, I have a hard time with routine. Mm -hmm. It's not... Uh, it doesn't come naturally to me. I like working the flow, like going back and forth and really yeah. riding the current of like how I'm feeling. I, that's how I work best. Yeah. So with so it's hard for me to choose a habit and try to stick with that throughout my upswing and my downswing, totally. if you want to call it that. Interesting. I'm really glad you brought this up because I hadn't even thought about that. You know, my, my favorite, like, lifestyle that I had was when I was living in Las Vegas and I was a waitress. Mm. 
because it was on it was typically an unpredictable schedule or it was different every week every mm-hmm. two weeks um I never got bored. Like, it was a constantly moving job. Uh, sometimes it would be in the morning. Sometimes it would be in the night. Like, and and before I took that job as a waitress, when I first moved to Las Vegas, I was working in an office because I had graduated college. And that's what you do to work <laughs> in an office because you're so important now. And I just slowly dwindled and, yeah. like, and my my brain starved in an office. And so I was suddenly sleeping during my lunch breaks. I was, like, suddenly, like, napping in my car. Right. Um, I was suddenly smoking. I was suddenly doing all these things that were just, like, <laughs> I am I'm spiraling downward fast. Right. Like, I'm not wanting – I was eating fast food a lot. Like, just – it was it was suddenly – Maybe, uh, boy, you're you're opening up a whole bunch of things for me right now because it's like, oh, gosh, my environment was wrong. Right. It wasn't yeah. even like, oh, there was a keystone habit or blah, blah, blah. Nope. No. Because keystone, you know, habits typically are speaking to a farmer brain, somebody who yeah. can do the day in, day out, and, like, have the same thing every day and be totally cool with it. Right. Um, it resonates or it works. It supports, yeah. like, the type of person you are. Yeah. And everybody loves variety. Like, it's not like farmer brains don't love variety. But, like, those two days on the weekend are enough variety for them. Right. To, yeah. get, like, recharge and get back in it for the Monday through Friday. But, man. So, yeah, my and my environment was completely wrong. It was, like, stifling. Yeah. And then all these bad habits started to emerge because I just needed dopamine. I just right. needed I just yeah. needed the dopamine. I just needed rewards. Yeah. Even if they were bad habits. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Do you find have you have you like when you look back in your life when you were sort of being stuffed in a farmer brain box were you also developing bad habits? Well, I've never been I don't think I've ever been in that box. <laughs> um, but for a long it took me a long time to like learn how to hold myself accountable Mm -hmm. because I also have this tendency to like well give myself a a thousand things to do like a lot of us do and wanting to like move forward constantly and be you know if this is my month goal then this these are all the things I have to do every day to get there Mm -hmm. like my brain also works that way Mm -hmm. um but it took me a long time to learn that I'm not gonna be ticking those box, you know, one box a day. Like, that's not going to work. Correct, yeah. And with that came having to learn, like, how to be okay with not being able to go about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over time I got away from that kind of, like, perfectionist approach by accepting the the rhythm, like, the ups and downs and not and trying not to be like OCD about things <laughs> <laughs> like letting things be imperfect mm-hmm. was a big piece of that so like all of these like understandings kind of merge together mm-hmm. and i my understanding of habits now has to be more about the bigger picture mm-hmm. and has to be more about like What's underneath? What do I? What am I actually trying to achieve here? Mm-hmm. Is it to check my box every day? Mm-hmm. 
No, for a while it was, but that's obviously like a surface thing yeah. that you're trying to do. Yeah. Because you think you need to be somebody or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Um, it's not that. It's, it's you know, it's because I want to feel stre- less stress. I want to feel happy or content or uh, energized or, you know, whatever it is. Hmm. For a long time, working out for me, for like 10 years straight, it was like, I just want to look good naked. That's it. <laughs> I'm not trying to like have a healthy heart or anything. I'm just trying to look good naked. And that was enough for a while. <laughs> well, right. Because then you're like, oh, I want to look good naked. So what am I going to do today? Right. Yeah. Am I going to go, you know, on a hike? Am I going to go to the gym? Mm-hmm. Am I going to like make myself something really yeah. tasty. Yeah. Then then it can like show up in all these different ways and right. you feel like you're still achieving your goal. Right. Yeah. Now, lately, it's more about like I need to live longer than my kids. <laughs> I need to be able to not have a heart attack when I'm like playing with them or doing something with them. So it's a little more health conscious now. I mean, I still want to look good naked. I think everybody does, but <laughs> That's a bonus. For all those times, you're naked. Um, (laughs) But anyways, um, the other, so I mentioned Charles Duhigg, but the other person I wanted to mention was Judson Brewer. Um, He has a TED Talk, (laughs) which like, I haven't watched TED Talks in, I don't know, I was really into them in like 2015. (laughs) I feel like they were out there. They were. It was. They were very cool. I couldn't believe how much I could learn through TED Talks. I was so enthralled. Yeah, that was like the first big sweep of free education. Yeah, and it was like, oh my gosh, we have like people who are experts in their fields talking about things and helping me understand things, and like this is so cool. And then you know the brand sort of got watered down and then they had like the TEDx talks and you're like, what is this all about? This person's not that smart or maybe they are. I don't know. Like (laughs) I'm confused. Um, And now when people are like, you need to watch this TED talk, I'm like, that's not going to happen. 99% chance it's not going to happen. And a lot of stuff too from TED talks has been like debunked. Um, The most recent that comes to mind is Amy Cuddy's power pose thing. Has been debunked. Has been debunked. Ooh, the yogis are not going to be, not going to be on board with that statement. I know. And you know what's funny? Who debunked it? How do you debunk that? Oh, I don't know. I think it was probably Joe Rogan episode. (laughs) Can't remember. What part? The part that was debunked was like some kind of chemical change in your body. Well, like yeah, like that. Your your you standing in power poses isn't going to make you more confident. Hmm. Um, and I could have probably told you that because like. I watched that TED Talk, and I was like, okay, before I go in and talk to this colonel, I'm going to stand in, like, the superwoman pose in the bathroom for three minutes, and it did not help. (laughs) (laughs) Never helped. I did it a lot, too. I did it a lot. Um, Didn't even have, like, placebo, but anyway, so there's this TED Talk (laughs) that I want to say by Judson Brewer, and he's talking about um, breaking bad habits specifically. And so Charles Duhigg's system, like the ABC method, and then Judson Brewer's system of getting curious about your triggers or your habits. Uh-huh. 
I think together could help people more mm. than separately. Yeah. So Judson Brewer talks about um, conducting studies with smokers and they wanted people to get like try to break habits using mindfulness basically. Mm-hmm. So when someone felt the need to have a cigarette, they would be like, I want you to stop and like be curious about why, what it feels like, like what it feels like in your body. And this is always a tricky thing, right? Because if you don't know how to stop and do that, it's really hard to learn. It's really hard to be yeah. aware physiologically of what's yeah. happening in your body. That's when you're... really true. Yeah. Lear- learning to like place emotions with your physical body yeah. is something you have to learn Yeah, for a lot of people. Right. Um, and really what it's, what you're saying when you say like, you know, being mindful of your physiological responses is what are your five senses telling you? Like what, what's engaging mm-hmm. your senses? So, um, or, you know, your heart rate or something like what, what's going on inside your body. But he, and, and the other problem with using mindfulness to counter bad habits is that bad habits are often triggered by stress and stress causes that part of your brain to shut down. (laughs) So it's really hard when you're stressed out to stop and be like, why do I want to punch my husband in the face? You know, like, (laughs) for example, you know, I never feel that way, but like if the baby, you know, if the baby's crying and there's like stuff boiling over on the stove, like that sounds like a cliche thing, but that has happened to me like (laughs) once a week since having a child. Like, why is there always something boiling over on the stove? What am I making in here? Jeez, we don't even boil anything. Um, so pasta. <laughs> so much. And so, anyways, so he, you know, he had smokers say, okay, like, I can feel, I, you know, I feel the desire to have a cigarette. And when I have a cigarette, it tastes like crap and... Like, it feels like I'm eating chemicals and it stinks and whatever. These are all things that you know about smoking. Mm -hmm. But it helped these folks quit smoking because they were practicing mindfulness about it on their own. Instead of someone telling them, like, hey, it's bad for your health. Hey, it makes you stink. Um, And the reason why this system had some good results, I'm not going to say it's, like, definitively perfect, but it's because curiosity is a reward to your brain, Mm -hmm. um, which is why creative tasks give you dopamine, like it's learning and stuff like that. So curiosity um, creates a new reward. Instead of you being like, I want that nicotine, you getting curious and sort of um, taking control of that craving gives you a reward. It's like an empowering feeling. Yeah, I think that might be at the root of it. Um, That by itself wouldn't necessarily help me And the ABC method, like the antecedent behavior and consequence method, is very routine. It's very regimented. And and with the ABC method, by the way, he talks about architecting your circumstances to improve your habits. So when you get home, if you'd rather, like, take off your shoes, put on sweatpants, and sit on the couch, when you get home, have your sneakers at the door so that as soon as you take off your work shoes, you put on your sneakers and you go for a 10-minute walk or something mm-hmm. like that. He talks about, you know, putting water right at the front of the fridge, yeah. putting healthy snacks right at the front of the fridge. And, like, 
I know that if I prepare meals in advance or prepare stuff in advance that I'm going to have better habits, but I don't do those things. <laughs> so that's why the ABC method and architecting your circumstances is, pr is pretty good, but it's not enough on its own. And getting curious about your habits is pretty good, but it's not enough on its own. But together, I think people can kind of um, sort of weave a, a different fabric of how what's going to help them with their habits using those two methods. Right. Yeah, I feel like that whole process brings it in. Mm -hmm. it, bring, it, it turns all of these outside factors into something that you like feel some agency over mm -hmm. or like feel really connected to and empowered about and like just on board with like yeah. in a deeper way rather than all of these like external things floating around. Yeah. Um, and the, cur the curiosity too, I think, I think a big thing about getting curious is that it's a, it shifts you away from like the judgment. Mm-hmm. It, you ha if you are approaching something with curiosity, you're not judging yourself. Like you're exploring why, what, you know. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. It's not like, oh, I'm failing. I want a cigarette. It's like, okay, what's go what's going on here? Yeah. Something's something some other forces are at play driving me to want this cigarette what right. is it what's happening then you can make decisions that feel like they're yours and not you know instead of just like beating yourself up about what you're doing or not doing mm -hmm. with I think curiosity gives you information to help you make decisions for yourself yeah versus just telling yourself oh I shouldn't be I shouldn't be this tired all the time or I shouldn't watch tv or like right Right. That's not really get moving you closer towards, you know, like <laughs> right. taking control. Putting yourself down is not helping the situation. You actually, you just triggered a thought too. Part of Judson Brewer's research, the curiosity research, was that they just told smokers to smoke. Smoke when you want a cigarette. Right. But tell me how it feels and tell me what right. it's about. Yes. And then as soon as you remove that forbidden fruit, right. I mean, that is a huge, that's a huge thing. And that's why I think... <laughs> That's why I think Weight Watchers was so popular, like, in the 90s right. and 80s and whatever. And still, And I think. still very popular yeah. because they don't say don't eat food that you like. Yeah. It's just like, well, you have a certain amount of points. I think this is how it still works. Yeah. And when you eat a cookie, you're, you're eating more points than if you have a huge salad. Like, you have five points for a huge yeah. salad, but you have ten points for a cookie or something. You know, like, make your choices. Right. You might be starving at the end of the day because you ate too many cookies and you used up all your points. But I think there's a lot of psychology around removing the forbidden fruit. Mm -hmm. As soon as you tell someone, don't do this, it's going to be really hard for them not to do it. Yeah. Especially when yeah. there's a reward attached to it. Then it feels extra good when you break the rule and get the reward <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, nobody wants to be feeling like they're doing the wrong thing and that they have no power in defining what the right thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't feel good for anyone. It doesn't feel good for toddlers. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they have to learn, you know, they're, they need it because they still need to, like, learn what's, like, 
right and wrong. Correct. But it doesn't, you know, it never feels good to be told how you should be living your life. Right, right. Well, and it reduces, on the topic of toddlers and kids in general, um, every human likes to feel a sense of control mm-hmm. of their life, even little tiny humans mm-hmm. who should not have full control of their lives. Right. So that's why presenting them with options of what they can do that are within the realm of good for the adult, but it also feels like the kid's getting control. Right. Like, well, we can do this or we can do this. Mm-hmm. Which do you want to do? And then they feel like they have the control. But, like, I think it's the same thing. I mean, we're all just giant children, you know? Like. <laughs> Woo, that was just getting good. So tune in to next week's episode for part two of Making, Breaking, and Keeping Habits. We're talking about doshas and oatmeal, duolingo memes and Latin, adult soccer, candy crush, adrenaline, routines gone awry. You don't want to miss it. See you then. That's A space workplace. You found us here. Now click subscribe so we can keep filling your ear holes and get us on Instagram at a workplace podcast. What workplace? I don't know.